0: I want you to think about, like, if you could design a room that was just for you, like it had all the stuff that you wanted in it, or it just like reflected your personality, what would be in it? What would it look like? Thought about that a lot this week. And uh, Courtney and I actually selected a few that might, I think yours are first, so uh, we gonna put up one of Courtney's first rooms. Uh, You know, anything that stuck out to you about this? What was
1: I think that there is nothing better than in the evening when you're sitting around a fireplace with your Christmas tree all lit up. It's just such a peaceful, beautiful moment. So that's why I chose this picture.
0: I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's like nostalgia. Yes. In visual form. I love it. Okay, we'll do the next one. This is another this is one of yours. Oh.
1: This one I just think is beautiful. <laughs> the end.
0: <laughs> and it is. Is that wallpaper?
1: It's wallpaper, yes. It's like
0: actual peacocks hung on the wall there. <laughs> okay, the next one.
1: Oh, again, so I chose two dining rooms. I think you can tell I'm really <laughs> itching. Our house does not have a dining room, so I'm like lusting looking at all of these pictures with beautiful tables and peop- envisioning people and friends and family mm. gathering great. space.
0: That's amazing. Okay, uh, we'll put some of mine up here. Uh, let's see. The first one. Oh, yes. All right. Shocking, now right? Now we're talking. You know, as you said, like, this is for people. I, I feel like my rooms are much <laughs> Your
1: rooms are for you.
0: Are an in- introvert's <laughs> paradise. Um, yeah, this is a library in Switzerland that just, yeah, looks like Narnia. All right. Um, next one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, this is for me. Um, we got we got both the drip coffee situation, like if you just want to, or we have espresso going on in this little. This stressed you out, right? There's a lot going on here. Yeah, but uh, I'm into this. All right, last one. This, yes, yes, this could be this could be hours of fun and.
1: So these three pictures just pretty much describe Ian. <laughs>
0: that's right. That sucks. <laughs> <books, laughs> coffee and music. That's that's what we do. All right. So. You you know it would be amazing if we go around the room and just hear you know, a little bit about because it it does it unveils something about your personality and and what you know what makes you tick and what like what brings you to like to life and so today uh, we've been talking in Ephesians two and three and really throughout this text Paul has been describing the temple of God and and in so many ways you know we think of a temple we think of a physical space but Paul has been reframing that image. The temple is what begins at Pentecost, as we just read about, from every tongue, tribe, and nation, that people are being brought together. When the spirit of God blows through his people, what it brings is understanding. What it brings is coherence. What it brings is the ability for people to grasp in their own language the mysteries and so today, as we begin to unpack this beautiful text in Ephesians that we have for us, we have this image of a temple. And we're asking the question, what is God trying to furnish that temple with? And Paul does these two things in parallel. He describes the temple as us collectively. It's our life together. The Spirit dwells among us. But also, Paul, at the same time, will talk about the Spirit of God dwelling within us. Think of how incredible that is. Perhaps you've been to one of the you know the, the marvelous cathedrals in Europe and you've, you've, you've envisioned like the audacity of people, especially without our, some of our modern technologies, building these incredibly beautiful spaces. And we have this way when beauty is exterior to us of experiencing it in a way that is unique. But what the Bible is saying is that all of that awe, And all of that wonder that we experience in a space like that, God has wired into our very hearts. He's wanting to show us that that is the beauty with which he has has wound us and he has built us. That is the architecture of our lives, and he is trying to get us to see it. And so throughout Ephesians 2 and 3, Paul has been talking about this temple. Now, the the construct that Paul has been working with in Ephesians is that Jew and Gentile, these two disparate groups, have been brought together by the Spirit of God. In Ephesians 2, it says that we all, through the same Spirit, have access to the King of Heaven, to God the Father, that He has broken down the wall which divides us. And Paul is saying to us, That not only in that day with these disparate groups, but in our day, what are the places in our culture where people build up walls between one another? What are the places that we stay separate from one another? God is trying to join those things together by the power of his spirit. And that is so much of what we celebrate on Pentecost. This temple as we'll see in Ephesians chapter 3 is marked by several things. And I just want to point out these markings to you because I think it's so important. What is God trying to furnish this temple? The temple of our lives, the temple of our collective life and our individual life with. First of all, he wants it to be uh, he wants us to be strengthened in our inner being. He wants it for Christ to be dwelling in our hearts through faith rooted, and grounded in love. He wants God's power to compre- uh, for us to be able to comprehend God's love. And he wants for us to be filled with all the fullness of God. This is, this is in the context of a deeply passionate prayer that Paul prays over his people. And one of the great things about this prayer, as, as Courtney and I get to unpack it today, is this prayer for us has been a prayer that we've gone back to over and over again, both for our lives, for our children, for this church, for this community. And so it's such a gift to be able to share this text with you today. But as God is furnishing the temple that is our lives, what is he trying to build it with? We see this so beautifully and clearly in Paul. Now, there are some challenges, some obstacles to these things taking root and taking life in our lives, and so we want to ask the question: What what are the things that need to be demoed? You know, if, if when God undertakes a renovation of our lives, when He beautifies a space, when He beautifies our hearts, like you've, if you've ever watched one of those shows where they take this old dilapidated house and they turn it into something amazing, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines have ruined us all, right? You're like, oh, okay, okay, all right. This is the standard now. The standard of beauty has been elevated. But there's usually some pain that's associated with the beginning stages, right? Like I I like to think, and I don't know if this is true, but that's like the one phase I can be helpful in is the demo. But God is inviting us, right, to explore perhaps what do we need to allow him, you know, sometimes painfully, sometimes gently to tear down. So what are the things that need to be demoed in our lives?
1: Yeah, and I'll kind of take it over from here. You know, I think um, Ian was talking a lot about this beautiful exterior that we see, you know, and that that I think the is marked by by the temple. Um, and what I think sometimes we don't necessarily think about as much is the deep inner work that has to be done to create that beauty. Um, and I think when you think about, you know, demoing. Per se, You know, you think about, like, the tools that you need to demo. You think about, like, the sledgehammer. You think about the jackhammer. And then you think about how Jesus wants to demo our lives. And I think a lot of times we're looking for those quick swings or, like, those quick hits. And actually, Jesus is talking a lot more about a much slower process, which is uncomfortable for us. You know, in Romans 12, we say, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." The renewing of your mind is that slow, beautiful work of Jesus, and I think sometimes we take for granted the power um, that our mind, the, the the power that our mind ha- has to really control our thought and our lives. You know, it says, um, "The life that we have today is a reflection of what we think." good and bad so where we are today it's a result of the thoughts of our past and where we are going where we are going what the future holds is a thought is is a reflection of our thoughts of today and so that's good and bad news and the good news is that God can change our minds and that he can renew our minds a lot of times I think that we're looking for like those again those quick fixes and maybe this is the society that we're in or maybe this is something that's more personal to me I'm very action oriented the action that we do is we have to put ourselves in a position where God can renew our minds and then wait for him to do only the work that he can do which is the transformation you know there's the uh, a funny little joke that they say up in Alaska. I've never been. I read this in a book. I'll still say that. <laughs> but they say in Alaska that there are it's two. Too cold for us. Uh, way too yeah. cold. There are two seasons in Alaska there's winter and there's July. And so in July, it gets a little bit warmer and it gets a little bit muddier. And you know, there's the cars that are driving along the roads in Alaska, well, they start to form ruts. And these are, these are paths that the cars cannot get off of. And they say that there's like this little sign out there in Alaska that says, choose your rut carefully. You'll be in it for the next 60 miles. Think about that. I think, think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but similarly, similarly, our brains, we have neural pathways. These are our own mental ruts that we've created through repeatedly thinking the same thoughts good or bad, and they trigger an automatic response to external stimuli. And when I think about these ruts, like I think about you know, those that you get on, I'm sure if you guys, maybe if you pause for a minute, you can kind of think about the ones that you have, maybe those phrases that are continually repeated in, in, in your head. And I'm a, I'm a pretty visual person. And so I kind of think of like these little ruts going kind of like all over the place, you know. And for me, um, trees are actually a very like visual representation about this. And trees are actually something that's been, you know, pretty, I would say, kind of a, a significant visual marker for Ian and I for the life of our family and for the church too. And the ruts kind of remind me of roots. And so what I really want us to start transitioning to is, going to read Psalm 1 over us. And it says, blessed is the one who does not walk in, in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So God is calling us to be like trees. He's calling us to put ourselves in a position where we can renew our minds, where we can place our roots by those streams of water so that when when it's time, in season, we can yield its fruit. You know, there's um, one a couple things about roots real fast, and then I'll turn it back over to Ian. But... Um, So if you think there there are really two goals of a root system. And number one, it's to really seek out water and nutrients for the tree to continue to grow. And number two, it's for support. So that when those storms come, because we know that they will, that there is, is sturdiness, there is stability. The roots anchor the tree to the ground, which is very much so how our neural pathways, those ruts that we have in our mind, those should be nourishing. Those should be giving us life. Those should be that strong anchor that holds us when those storms come, because we all know that they, they will. One other cool thing I think about trees and roots is, as we're thinking about this is, again, I want things to move fast. I want to say, do this and you will get this, and it will happen tomorrow. Like That's just kind of how I like, I like to work. I think as we look back a little bit more at the, even just the symbolism of of the tree and this inner work that God is calling us to, these roots, they're hidden. Inner work, it is hidden. It is something that is not on the exterior. We looked at those beautiful images up on the screen of all those beautiful rooms. They didn't just appear like that. There was deep work that had to be done just like us. It's hidden. No one sees it. No one's, you know, posting the pictures of, of the, well, maybe some, somebody is, but <laughs> you see the finished product out there. Roots, they're deep and they're wide. And they take time. They take time. Eugene Peterson has this beautiful phrase, um, a long obedience in the same direction. And I think we are so obsessed with the immediate The instant gratification, email, and the internet have just only intensified this quest for the quick fix. A life with Jesus, a beautiful life with Jesus that's bearing fruit, is often hidden and unseen and takes time. It's like an oak tree. It takes 30, 40, 50, 60 years for it to grow from a seed to a mature tree. But we're really impatient, and we want that fruit now. And I think that's one of our biggest challenges as we look to embracing God's transformation is embracing the pace and making sure that we're fixing our minds every day. We're asking God to renew our minds so that he can do that transformative work in us.
0: Yeah, Jesus, he, he talks about the word of God falling on different kinds of soil. Right. And even there's like an example he uses given. For this kind of like quick fix, like the word of God, it, it sort of it flowers immediately. It springs up and then it's choked out by the worries and cares of this life. And that, that's juxtaposed with this patient, slow work that God is doing in us. And that's one of the things when we talk about, like our, the story that we're telling ourselves. And so much of, you know, the beautiful stuff that Courtney had to say was about like the thoughts that we think. And really, that's about our baseline story. It's about what is the orienting story? What is the root story that we are living out? Because, you know, you can see if it's about us, if it's about our ability to pull ourselves out of despair, or it's about our ability to cope with the many, many struggles that will come in this life, then we truly are in a bad place. But throughout Ephesians, Paul has been saying that we are in Christ the soil that these roots are, are taking and, and, and spreading out in and reaching down deep in are the very soil of God's love for us, are the very things that he has spoken over us. And again, there's always this beautiful fine line between kind of like mental delusion, <laughs> like where you're like, okay, if you can just change your thinking, like if you're sick or you're suffering, you can't just be like, I'm going to think my way out of this. That's called Gnosticism. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is grounding ourselves in the story of Jesus' suffering love. Within the context of Ephesians 3, Paul is talking about his own suffering. He's saying, these are for your glory. And so even though the life that we encounter is going to be hard, what we find is there's something deeper going on. There's something holding us fast, even in the midst of life struggles. And Jesus talks about this in John 15. He says, if you remain, you abide in my love. And he uses this imagery again of like horticulture, the vine. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. It's about planting our lives. And then he says this really compelling thing. He says, if you are my disciple and you you keep my words, then ask me for whatever you want. Right? And that's like, okay, (laughs) now we're talking. (laughs) King of the universe, can I have whatever I want but then if you read the end of that little section in John 15 he says ask me for whatever you want and then Jesus says this very powerful phrase he says I give you these commands so that you may love one another the point of our access to God first and foremost is to know Jesus this power that Paul talks about, the power that we'd be strengthened in our inner being. you know, So much of our world chases after this kind of inner power so that they can operate at a level above other people, so that they can be so strong in themselves that they can like, sort of hold on to their own narrative. But, but Paul is saying, listen, you're to be strong in God's strength, strengthen your inner being with a true strength that is lasting with all of this. All of this is so that you may know Jesus and that you may love others, that you may fulfill the greatest commandment, which is why his spirit dwells among us, so that we would know God and love others. And I think for so many of us, it's about asking ourselves, what is the story that I'm telling myself? What is the story that I have placed my life within? Because we are humans, we tell stories. And I don't know about you, but for many times, like my initial reaction, my default reaction is not that I'm a child of the living God. Like I have access to the throne room of heaven. I need to bring my cares and my anxieties and my problems to his feet. My, my default reaction is freaking out. Uh, oh my gosh, like, you know, that, that anxiety for me, I experience that, that level of stress and anxiety in my chest. That's where I know, like, okay, something is going on. I need to pay attention to. But it's about the story that we're telling ourselves
1: story. So uh, let me read, um, I want to read the end of Ephesians 3, and then I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians, and then we're going to get back into the story. So let me find my, where did I put it? This one. There there you go. Yep. So Ephesians 3, starting in uh, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And then we have a similar verse in 1 Corinthians uh, 2, verse 9. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the thing God has prepared for those who love him. Both of these verses are just incredibly beautiful verses about how big God is, and just about the imagination that he has for us that is way bigger and way greater than anything that we can even conceive, see, hear, or imagine. And then there's reality. And then there's the story that we're telling ourselves. And these stories are things that we've you know, heard maybe since we were little or young or maybe a teacher, parent, friend, TV, you name it. We are faced with so many messages every single day that, that try to claim some sort of story or piece over our lives. And it gets really confusing. And so that's why we like to use this phrase, the story that I'm telling myself, is because it's all about how we're we're perceiving and the things that we're thinking and feeling. And oftentimes these messages start, you know, uh, uh, are kind of spoken over us even when we're really, really young. And as we think about those ruts that we're driving in, how do we break those ruts? How do we rewire those roots so that they are life-giving work? And so that we can start to retrain our minds and renew our minds so that we can have access to what no eye has seen or what no ear has heard or what no one can imagine, the goodness that God has for those who love him. So how do we do that? So I'm a very practical person. Um, a lot of Just times, like <laughs> A lot of times, you know, after, you know, Sundays, you know, we'll be like, oh, how was it, what do you think, and I was like.
0: It's always awesome, thank you. It
1: was great, but what do I do next? Like that's that's very that's much so. That's your job, so. also. <laughs> that's very much so me. So um, I'd love to share a couple of principles um, that um, have been really meaningful to me on this. Um, I Actually, a lot of these come from um, a book that I read last year, it's called Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle. Um, and it was, it was super simple. Um, but also very practical and something that um, I love for us, I love for our family, and I love for our church, just as, as we're dreaming about what God wants to do in and through us. Um, and so the, the first principle, as we think about kind of reshaping these ruts and, and rewiring our roots, if you will, is number one, it's called the replacement principle, and it's remove the lies and replace with truth. And so, again, every day we, are, we are encounter so many lies, and we believe so many lies about ourselves. I think if you pause for just a moment and, and start to think about yourself, you're going to probably start to get these little, little phrases or little sayings that are going to start to, sh- to pop in your head. Maybe they're truth. Maybe they're lies. What's important is for us to be able to recognize what is a lie versus what is the truth. I think a really interesting exercise for us with this is to do a thought audit. And so for one day, can you jot down on either a piece of paper or on your phone or whatever works best for you, all of the thoughts that you're having, good, bad, and different? I think we find when we do this, they did research, they said that um, studies have shown that we are bombarded by about 500 unintentional and intrusive thoughts a day. Each unwanted thought lasts for about 14 seconds. So if you do the math, that's almost two hours a day of thoughts that we do not want to think. Two hours a day. And we're awake for, you know, I don't know how long you're awake.
0: (laughs) That's that's not even counting screen time reports (laughs) that everybody gets on Sunday. It's like, oh, my gosh. Ten hours this week. So
1: as you're having these thoughts, it's so important. What is the lie and what's the truth and can you recognize it? Number one, so do the thought audit. Replace that lie with the truth. So if you if you know the lie, you have to know the truth, too. And the truth is God's word. And so as we were talking about that inner being, that connectedness, we have to be in the word. We have to know what is God's word and what is true and what is a lie. And we have to replace it. So the replacement principle, replacing the lie with the truth.
0: And, and that's like... That's what separates this from like, I mean, you could hear this kind of this kind of thinking, like if you just any self-help guru on Instagram would be like, just think better thoughts. But the problem is it's a it's a cycle where it just starts with you. So there's actually no root in it other than your finite reality, your finite perception. And we keep as humans, we keep dying. We're finite. And so we can't define reality for ourselves because that reality always ends up being bigger than we are. When we talk about the Word of God, there's something that is exterior to us, something that's been revealed and given to us as a gift that we can receive. And that's what's going on in Ephesians. Paul has started with who we are. Like you're adopted you're chosen like you are God's daughters and sons Ephesians 210 you are God's workmanship his masterpiece like that is not just self-talk hey you feel good about yourself that is what God the God of the universe in Jesus Christ his blood has spoken over you and so you get to receive that it's a gift
1: it it's the most amazing gift and and the second principle is the rewire principle It's rewire your brain and renew your mind and this is something that I'm Love sharing about, and I'm so glad that we get to do it today on such a day as Pentecost. When we talk about God's spirit and, and his power within us, rewiring our brain, writing those truths down and speaking those truths over our life. It's something that we do for ourselves, we do for our kids, we do for our church. Um, and I encourage each one of you guys, as you each one of us has our own stories. Each one of us has our own lies that we believe in our own struggles. What are the declarations that are personal to you? Find them in God's word, be creative, and write them down. I'm going to share a couple that um, I thought were pretty powerful um, that actually Craig Rochelle shared in his book. Um, and then I'd love to share one um, about our church, too. Um And I think we have a couple slides on these, but these are just some simple declarations that um, really spoke to the author Craig Rochelle, And it says, Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife and I lay down my life to serve her. I will raise my children to love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I will nurture, equip, train, and empower them to do more for the kingdom than they ever thought possible. I love people and I believe the best about them. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am growing closer to Jesus every day. Because of Christ, my family is closer. My body is stronger. My my faith is deeper. My leadership is sharper. I am creative, innovative, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Spirit of God dwells in me. Money is not and never will be a problem for me. My God is an abundant provider who meets every need. Because I am blessed, I will always be a blessing. I will lead the way with irrational generosity because I know it's truly more blessed to give than to receive. I develop leaders. That's not something I do. It's who I am. Pain is my friend. I rejoice in suffering because Jesus suffered for me. I bring my best and then some. It's what I bring after I bring my best that makes the difference. The world will be different and better today because I served Jesus. And maybe saying some of these things sound uncomfortable to you?
0: <laughs> is anybody, like this for me is not my like this is not like, "Hey, let's, let's pep yourself up." Like I am like very much like, let's be real honest about the way we experience life. And so I, I think that's so important to say, but a gift.
1: It is such a gift, and I think the power of it, again, it's the renewing our minds, the trans- and we will do the renewing of our minds. God will do the transformation. One thing that um, I think is really powerful, too, is write it, identify the lies, identify the truth, write it, think it, put it somewhere that you can see it, that you can access it easily, voice memos, writing it up on your bathroom mirror, wherever you, whatever you do now, and then confess it until you believe it. That's when the renewing of your mind and that's when the transformation happens.
0: Yeah, and again, it's just so important that we recognize, like, this is something that's received. I mean, if you ever read Don Quixote, like, he thinks he's a knight. Like, no matter how much he says he's a knight, he's not a knight. Uh, So if you're speaking delusion over yourself, then you're still deluded at the end of the day. But if you're speaking truth that has been received, then it's a gift. And, you know, this is one of those beautiful areas where science is affirming what the Bible has been saying all along neuroplasticity, like the way that we inhabit the world, the habits that we respond, the way we respond emotionally, all of this are ways that God is using to get his truth like to seep into our very emotions and our habits and the story that we tell ourselves.
1: And the last two principles I'll I'll run through pretty quickly, Um, but then, and it doesn't mean that they're less important at all, but um, the reframing principle. And this is much more, I think, present so when we're reframing, we're, we're actively looking for God's goodness in our day today. We're actively looking for God's goodness. I love, um, if you guys um, like Maverick City music, I love, uh, one of their songs is A Million Little Miracles. And he's, you know, throughout the song, he's singing you know, of all these big, beautiful miracles that are, that are happening. You know, he, um, and then at the end, he's still singing, and it's like, I have breath in my lungs, I have food on my table. Like, that is a miracle and a gift. So let's continue to reframe our minds. And then the last one is rejoice. Man, God is good. Who is he? Can we name those things? Can we list 10 things a day that we can rejoice for who God is and what he's done for us? Um, one one more thing on kind of declarations before um, I turn it back over to Ian. But um, this is the, the, the visual of the tree, I think, has been so profound for our family and for um, our church. And this is is kind of a little bit of a story of a declaration, but this is our our vision for Ecclesia, and this is something that we think about often. And it's this little story, it says, it takes God, and this is about his slowness too, (laughs) but it takes God six hours to grow a mushroom, and it takes them 60 years to grow an oak tree. Mushrooms spring up overnight and are gone the next day. But oak trees last for hundreds of years. Children play in them. Couples get married under them. And people build their lives around them. And that's what we want for our church. That's what we want for Ecclesia. We're praying that it's this beautiful, big oak tree that's rooted in God's love and goodness and grace and will spring this beautiful fruit Where we have children playing, couples getting married, and people building their lives around God's goodness.
0: Amen. Amen. Friends, Paul prays. I just want to read this prayer over you as we move to the table. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. More than you can ask or imagine. And friends, I just want to invite you as we move to the table. As you like held that image of a room or of a building, a structure in your mind. To know that God is wanting to work through his patient grace, through the way that he grows things, that he walks alongside of us, to grow your life into something beautiful. That there may be things you need to demo. There may be thoughts that you are stuck in. There may be habits that you are just so overwhelmed by. Friends, that's okay. That's what grace is for. And God is not just giving out grace as much as he needs. He has lavished that grace upon. And so as we come to this table, as we do every week, we remember that all of our positive affirmations about life are rooted in God's goodness. That everything good and beautiful and true comes from the God who not only spoke words over us, but gave himself to us. So on the night Jesus Was arrested. He took bread and he broke it. And he said, This is my body broken for you. And he took a cup and he blessed it. He said, This is my blood. And he says, It's poured out for you. He said, The blood of my new covenant, the blood of my new temple, the new dwelling place of the God of the universe is among us and within us. He is building us into something that we cannot even imagine right now. And it all starts each day as we just say yes to him. Yes to his story.